Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo. This beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness to our lives. Gentlemen, it's great to have you guys back on here again, and it's going to be a great interview today. Brett, would you like to introduce our special guest for today's podcast? I would love to. I would love to. And firstly, I'd just like to say it is great to have all three of us on the podcast show again. We're on a roll here, boys. We are on a roll. We've got the whole team together. How exciting is that? The band is back. Today, we've got a great interview. This is a guy who I came across. He's a a personal trainer. He's a Czech health and lifestyle coach. He's been a health coach since 2008. But I came across him because he was involved – launching this amazing project called the Child Obesity Project where he's getting experts from all around the world to come and talk to us about this issue of child obesity, of what's going on with our kids, why are so many of our kids heading into obesity so much earlier than ever before and and what can we do about turning it around. He's got a great personal story on this front as well. So welcome to the show, David White. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's, uh, It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, it's great to have you on board, mate. I'm really looking forward to you sharing your journey and, and what you've been through in creating this amazing project. So let's start from the start, David. Can you tell us about your journey? You know, you were a bit overweight as a kid as well and have had some of these struggles and some of these challenges. So tell us about your story, mate. Yeah, I don't want to make it sound too serious because, uh, you know, I was unwell a lot as a child, but I didn't have any you know major problems like I never had cancer or anything like that. So I don't want people to feel sorry for me because... I had a pretty serious case of something that was very minor. Basically, for my whole childhood and early adolescence, I think from when I was born until when I was 18, I had crippling migraines. And I got, you know, two of these every single week. And they would hit me. I'd lose my vision. I'd become incredibly sensitive to light and sound. My whole family would have to kind of creep around the house to avoid upsetting my head or whatever. I'd be physically ill. It would go on for hours and hours. My parents would have to sit by my side you know, until two or three in the morning. And then I'd basically pass out from the pain and uh, wake up the next morning and feel totally fine. I reckon I had an attendance rate at school of probably 70%. So I missed a lot of my childhood because I was sick. And uh, and one of the other problems that I had was that I was, you know, properly overweight. I don't know exactly why it happened, but uh, health was never something that I really valued. And and that, you know, compounding that with the uh, the fact that I was always sick all the time sort of led me to this point where I was very depressed. I was anxious a lot. You know, I was I was different to all the other children, which was a big deal if you're a, you know if you're a child. And it took me a long time to really get a handle on the situation and take control and figure thing out, things out. But uh, basically, what I want to do is uh, share today with everyone who's listening some of the things that I learned along the way and uh, 
and who the the people are that are out there who can really give this topic some, you know, the justice it deserves because it is a big issue. I mean, everyone knows that there are children out there who are sick and we all know their statistics and stuff. But if you're an overweight child, it's like the biggest problem that you can possibly have. It's a great call. It's a great call. It is a big problem and it's it's getting bigger and bigger and, you know, probably for the last decade and maybe even the last 20 years has been identified as being one of the uh, the most significant um, health afflictions to affect the Western world. So, David, um, what what have you learned as, uh, you know, in, in doing this particular project? Uh, what have you learned as being probably the key things that, um, that, are, that are creating this obesity epidemic? Well, I mean, I didn't want to just sit down and talk about, you know, here's what your child should eat, here's what your child's exercise program should look like, here's how you get them to stop eating McDonald's and all that kind of stuff. Because as you guys know, it's, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. And the very first thing is that you really need to inspire and empower children to want to create change for themselves. And, you know, that can be kind of a tricky thing. There's so many people out there talking so much amazing stuff or so many amazing things about, uh, you know, here's how you get healthy, here's how you fix up your diet and whatnot. But there's really not that many people talking about here's how you go and share that in a healthy way with your family without, you know, saying, well, here's what I'm doing, you should try this or you know, we're all just switching to paleo or we're all going to go for walks now and whatnot. It's it's kind of like coaching your family but in a way where you're not being demanding or commanding and that's a very difficult thing to do. And personally, I feel like that's something that I had to learn quite a lot because as you mentioned, I've been a personal trainer since I was 18 and, you know, coaching people and selling them on the idea of health, I guess would be the best word. It was something that was really difficult. I mean, here's little old 18-year-old David in a gym and I've got all these people, these, you know, executive business people or these guys who have been lawyers or doctors and have got their whole life figured out and they want to come to someone like me to help them lose weight. And I'm trying to explain to them, look, you know, I know you want to come in here and just do the exercise side of things, but there's so much more to it. And you really need to get people on board with the idea of, hey, look, I'm here to help you and here's how it can work, but without, you know, telling them because no one ever really wants to be told what to do, least of all children. You know, David, you you obviously had started this project uh, on childhood obesity, and and uh, obviously things are changing. Um, you know, it's amazing that when I travel, you know, wherever I'm traveling to, you know, with our, my family, and you start to see the kids' portions, the size of the meals are just getting larger and larger. And uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, they're changing even, you know, the, their clothing sizes are changing just to adapt to them. And and so, what what's what do you think is going on here? Why is it why is this epidemic is happening? I mean, one thing is food. Is is there more to that? You know, it looking at the way that it is now, it's it's almost like a little battle. And I don't want to sound dramatic when I say that, but you know, I'm someone who who had to learn pretty early, hey, this is how you you influence people to take the steps towards improving their health. And I look at people like fast food companies or the people who make soft drinks or confectionery companies or the guys who sell video games to children or whatever, and I think, you know, these guys are really, really good at influencing children. And, you know, for people like like you guys and like everyone who I spoke to on this event, you know, we're trying to help people. We're trying to get out there and encourage them to change their lives and to feel better about themselves. But there's so many people out there who see children as a potential recurring source of income for the rest of their lives. And, you know, that was something that came up quite a bit on the, uh, on the summit. There are literally food companies out there with PhD trained scientists sitting down, figuring out, okay, what can we put in our food that will really get children addicted? What can we, you know, what kind of mouthfeel can we create with our food that will make 
children just want to eat more and more and more. I mean, they literally say it in their slogans, like, hey, once you have, once you pop, you can't stop. Like, that's a little bit of a concern for me. So I think a lot of it's driven by business and people wanting to make money. I think a lot of it's driven by, you know, modern society and the way that we live. We're kind of a little bit less in touch with nature and the way that we're supposed to be living these days. I mean, the way it used to be was that we just go to sleep when the sun went down. Now we've got screens and lights and all that kind of stuff. And of course, that's one small part of the the equation here, but it's a really big problem. And we can point our fingers at just about everything. I mean, I'm sitting in a room right now and I could say, well, <clears throat> I'm sitting next to a princess, so there's toxins coming out of that. And there's probably toxins coming out of the floor and I'm getting EMF pollution by sitting next to my little Wi-Fi modem thing and there's probably stuff in the paints and all this kind of thing. All these things can uh, can impact my detox pathways, which I know can stop me from losing weight. So I could say that's a factor. I could, you know, you could really point your finger at everything, but on a you know on a big scale, thirty thousand foot view, I think it's just we've lost touch with what it actually feels like to be healthy. So David, I guess you know you've said that it's all about you know the kids' mindset really is is the first step towards this, getting people to believe that they can change and then getting people to want to change. So how do we go about creating that sort of a shift in kids? This is huge. This is something that I love talking about. This is probably one of my favorite subjects and we can learn so much from children about this. I mean, as adults, we set goals for ourselves. Like they might be financial. So I want to save 10% of my income for this many years so I can buy an investment property or whatever or you know, I want to go to the gym four times a week or I want to go and do my yoga classes or I want to watch what I'm eating or whatever. And, you know, that's all really important stuff. And it's good to set goals for ourselves like that. But we don't really remember that kind of stuff. What we remember is stories and children tell themselves stories about who they want to be. So if you ask a child, you know, what do you what do you want to be doing in 10 years or who do you want to be or what do you want your life to look like? They're not going to say, well, you know, I'll have investment properties where I'm earning money for doing nothing or you know, I'll be going to the gym four times a week because that's what makes me healthy. They'll say something like, I want to be a vet or I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a rugby player. Or, I want to be a tennis player. Or, I want to be, you know, whatever. They have this story and this picture in their mind of what it is that they want to do. And they know what that feels like. They know what that smells like. They know what that sounds like. They know what they'll be doing when they get there. They know everything about it. And that's, I feel how people should set goals. Really. It's, it's what gets people going. I mean, you know, I tell myself a story about what I want to be, and this might sound a little bit egotistical, but, you know, if I could wave a magic wand in 10 years, I'd be someone like a Tony Robbins talking about health in front of, a you know, a big auditorium full of people. That would be the most amazing feeling to me. And, you know, I'd do that three or four days a week. I'd go and play golf on my time off. I'd walk on the beach. I'd do all that kind of stuff. And I'll do pretty much anything for that goal, but I won't do anything for, you know, sitting down and learning about public speaking or reading books or whatever. That's what really gets me going. And just to, you know, make a point about how emotional and how well we remember stories, I'd like to ask everyone who's listening, what what did you do yesterday? Like have a sit down and think about what it was you did yesterday. What what was your favorite date like? What happened on your, you know, the best date that you've ever had? What's the funniest thing that you've ever seen in your entire life? And I bet the answer to all those questions would be a story because that's what we remember. I mean, the funniest thing that I've ever seen was when I was on a beach in Thailand and this guy was walking around with his elephant um, and he obviously trained this elephant to do tricks and stuff and the beach was really steep and he was, he, you know, he wanted his elephant to do a trick. So he 
waved his arm in front of the elephant and the elephant was supposed to roll over. And he obviously only knew how to roll one way because that's the way he'd been taught. And he tried to roll up the beach and this gigantic elephant, he could not roll up the beach. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever. But that's my story about what the funniest thing is, not, hey, I saw this elephant try and roll over once and he couldn't. Like that I really remember. And it's the same thing with our goals. We really remember and we relate to and we get emotional about stories. That's very true. I'm actually having a little chuckle. That's actually. Um, <laughs> I actually wish you guys funny. could have been there. It was awesome. I was picturing this little, this uh, this little like with a big elephant. That's funny. Um, there will be a lot of people with lots of stories, and of course, people do um, build their life around stories. And so, um, of course, as children grow up, they have their own story uh, of what home life is like. You know, what sort of um, temptations they might have had, or how they were actually. Um, I suppose, encouraged to behave well or do the things that they um, would love to do or wouldn't love to do. So, for example, clean their room. If they don't clean their room, they don't get the treat. If they don't speak to Nana, they don't get the biscuit. And uh, one of the things that um, I suppose we've spoken about in the wellness guys a lot is the immediate gratification issue. And um, and that sets up um, some really poor um, eating patterns and eating behaviors um, because that immediate gratification and the sense that you need to be rewarded for your hard work and your efforts and a bad day and a good day and so that seems to go forever when you were interviewing all these amazing experts um, on on this particular pod on on, on this um, summit on the on the obesity summit how what sort of things did they identify as being an issue for children in terms of the things that we say to them yeah, you mean how how we try and talk to them about getting towards a goal? Yeah, like you know, do we need to you know do we need to change or frame the language that we're using with our children so they're not rewarded um, with food or they're not setting up behaviour based on food? Is that something we've got to do? I think, I mean, food is obviously one of the most important things that we can do with lifestyle, but it's something that we can relate to so quickly. So I mean, if if anyone here listening went and started eating McDonald's for, you know, every single meal for five days in a row, at the end of it, you'd feel pretty bad. And that's awesome feedback. If you can really tune in and learn from that, you won't do it. I mean, everyone knows not to drink too much because you'll get a massive hangover. And it's just, it's cause and effect. It's really simple. So if you can get children to relate to the fact that, hey, when I eat poorly, bad things happen to me. And so many people spoke about different ways to do this with children you know, I eat candy and yeah, I feel great and woo, I'm running around and whatnot, but then they crash later on. If we can bring that to their awareness, but without being judgmental and saying like, hey, you know, that was a really bad idea. You shouldn't have gone and eaten all that candy or you shouldn't have had McDonald's or whatever. Then they can learn that for themselves rather than us telling them like, hey, McDonald's is really bad for you. I mean, it's just, it. food is no different to the way that you exercise or, you know, if someone comes to me and they've got back pain, it's, you know, it could be caused by the way they sit in a chair or the fact that they don't drink water enough or they don't stretch or whatever. It's just one of those things that is keeping us from getting towards our goal and it needs to be addressed in the same way. It's not, hey, you're sitting in your chair wrong, you know, did no one ever teach you how to sit in a chair properly? It's for children. It's just, they've never really learned, hey, when I go and eat this particular way, bad things happen and I don't feel great. And when I go and eat like this, I feel so much better. And if you can bring their awareness to that and link that back to their story that they've got in their mind, like someone mentioned, I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone said, I think it was Brett Clicker, who's an amazing exercise uh, coach. He said, Popeye is the best cartoon that's ever been made because Popeye goes and eats spinach and then he turns into like 
this Superman. And he said, that's the kind of message that we should be sending to our children. So if kids see us eating things like kale or salads or going to the gym or whatever, and they say, hey, why are you doing that? Don't say, oh, I've got to go to the gym. Say, well, I want to feel good, so I'm going to the gym. Or, you know, I want to be healthy and I want to have strong bones, not strong bones because children don't care about that, but, you know, I want to be able to go to work and feel great and get all my work done. So this is just the way that I need to eat. If you can connect that immediate relationship between what they value, which will be their story, and what their actions are doing, then that's where real change happens. So David, you've also recorded, uh, you actually interviewed all these people. What was the most, in, uh, I guess, the strangest uh, insight that you actually got from them? The strangest insight I got? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I mean, there was so many things on there that, I mean, I talk about weight loss all the time. People, there are endless amounts of people coming into a gym trying to lose weight. And there are things that I learned that just completely blew my mind. There was uh, people talking about the gut microbiome and its effect on health. There were people talking about, uh, you know, exercise. Maybe if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Jason and Mira Calton. They came on and they spoke about the role of micronutrients and how the body needs certain things to feel satisfied. So we need calories, obviously. Calories are what keep us running. But we also need micronutrients. And they spoke about... um, they spoke in really good, simple, easy to understand terms, which was great for me about uh, why children eat so much, but they don't really ever feel full. And it's because they're not, they're not giving themselves enough nutrients. So, you know, a child might come home and just eat biscuits constantly and they run around outside and they play and they're using up all these nutrients in their muscles and whatnot as they're playing, but their body's screaming out for more nutrients. And, you know, none of us really know the difference between not having enough calories and not having enough nutrients. We just know, hey, I'm hungry. So it bad, bad eating can really become like a vicious cycle in that way. If you don't eat properly and you go and do all the stuff that you're supposed to do as a child, you're depleting yourself of nutrients over and over and over again. And you can be eating 5,000 calories a day. I mean, I remember when I was finishing school, every single day I would drink a liter of Coke, which is a ridiculous amount of sugar, and I would go and eat 15 bucks worth of Maccas, which is an obscene amount of Maccas. And if I tried to eat that much healthy food right now, I'd, you know, I'd fall over. I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. I'd be like a snake with a, with a giant pig in its belly or something like that. And these children are just starving themselves for nutrients rather than calories. So that's a very easy problem to address by itself. You just follow the add, swap, eliminate formula. So instead of saying, look, you're eating all these biscuits all the time. Why don't we get rid of these biscuits? Just get them to eat biscuits and something healthy. That's the first step. Get them feeling not so hungry all the time. And then swap those biscuits for, I don't know, paleo biscuits. Make them yourself or find some other kind of treat that's not quite as bad and swap it over and get them eating that. And then once you've done that, try and eliminate out those biscuits as much as you possibly can. I mean, there really is a formula for you to follow with everything. And uh, I was really grateful for them to share that insight with me because that was something. I mean, the way they spoke about it, I'm going to steal that because it was they explained it so well. So, David, you, you had the pleasure of interviewing one of our favorite people on the Wellness Guys, who is uh, Dr. John Demartini, and he's absolutely fabulous. So uh, what insights did you get from him on this topic? Because I'd love to hear what he, what he had to say about it and to you know, find out what insights you learned from him. Dr. John is my man. I loved listening to Dr. John. He spoke a lot about values. So what really speaks to a child's heart? And it's, it goes back to that, that, um, 
that point about stories that I mentioned earlier. And he said, like what you mentioned earlier, people are always trying to get value out of something they do. So regardless of whether what it is, whether it's drinking coffee, having fast food or um, eating biscuits or being an alcoholic or whatever, there's always something that they're gaining out of that. Whether it's I'm running away from something or, you know, I feel good when I drink alcohol or eating biscuits makes me not feel so hungry or whatever. There's always something that they're there to gain. And when we do these things that aren't necessarily conducive to our health, like eating biscuits or whatever, that's what he would call lower values. So yes, you know, it feels good to go and eat junk food for some people. For some people, it feels good to drink coffee all the time. For children, it could be, you know, I feel good when I watch TV a lot, but that's not really speaking to their higher values. So let's say if a child's got a story of, I want to be a soccer player. Well, sitting on a lounge watching TV all day is not really getting you that close to being a soccer player. But if we can link in their minds, hey, look, when you eat good food, you don't have to go and lie down and have this massive sugar crash. And you can go and run around and, you know, kick a soccer ball as much as you want to. And that's going to bring you closer towards your goal. We're much more likely to get that child to say, hey, look, I don't really want to keep eating these biscuits or have this sugar all the time. Or if we can say, look, instead of sleeping in and just lying on your bed all day, you know, you got really good at playing soccer by going out and practicing kicking a soccer ball. Just like, you know, you you worked really hard at maths earlier this year and you eventually got good at that. So if you go and work on this kind of stuff, you can actually create real change in in what's happening. And if you can get the child to realize the value related to what their story is, then there's there's pretty much nothing that people will do to well, there's nothing that people will let get in the way of them and their story, basically. He's he's such an amazing man, Dr. John. I don't want to try and paraphrase him too much because, you know, he's got his own special way of talking about things, but it it basically all comes down to what does the child really value? Good point. Good point. It is about values. John D. Maher is the king there. Hey, David, you interviewed another one of our great friends from the Wellness Coach, and uh, her name's Cindy O'Meara, and we love it a bit. She's obviously been at our summits every year, and she does lots of work with us. We think she's tops. What's a really clear insight that she gave? I mean, obviously, she's now talking about um, you know the origins of food and the origins of lifestyle and the origins of of nutrition as you know, and that it's every single person is very, very different and very, very unique. Was there any you know was there any particular pearl that you got from Cindy? Yes. This is another one of those things that uh, for me, I, I learned so much from her talk and it all comes down to those little things in our digestive tracts called bacteria or it can be called the microbiome or basically it's the bugs that live there and they pretty much control us. I mean, most people don't know this, but the serotonin in your brain is made in your gut by these bugs. They, they tell you when you want to eat. They tell you when you want to sleep. If they're out of whack, they'll ruin your sleep patterns. They'll rob all your energy of you. And they can make us do some pretty crazy stuff. So bad bugs generally like to eat things like sugar. And the good bugs like to eat things like vegetables and healthy meats and fats and whatnot and turn that into things that we can actually use. They're like a little compost-type farm. But the problem is, is that there's so many of them. I mean, studies say where mostly these bug back or these bacteria DNA where there's very few actual human cells in us because there's so much bacteria that uh, they influence what we want. So let's say if someone's got bad bacteria in their gut, which we all do, the good bacteria need to have something to fight against to grow stronger. It's like your immune system 
needs to, you know, you need to get chicken pox so your immune system can go, hey, here's chicken pox, let's fight it and get rid of it. And then it doesn't have to worry about fighting anymore because it's already got that tool there. So let's say if there's bad bacteria in your gut and you're eating lots of sugar. Well, the good bacteria can't do too much with that and the bad bacteria, they like it, so they grow. And eventually more and more and more of them grow if you keep going through this sugar addiction, you know, constantly snacking on fast foods or junk foods or whatever until they overwhelm the bad bacteria. And now because they're in your gut, they control what you want and what you want to eat. So they'll tell your brain, hey, we need sugar. And your brain responds by going, I need sugar. And that can be in the form of cravings for certain foods. For me, it was McDonald's and Coke. It can be in the form of massive energy slumps, which make you feel like, oh, you know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. I need to go and get myself a muffin or a coffee or something like that. But generally, those bugs in our bacteria rule the roost and they affect everything. Brain health is a huge one as well. I mean, Cindy spoke quite a bit about things like autism and Asperger's and how just by cleaning up a child's gut, you can largely, I don't want to say eliminate because this is alternative health and the way the the, uh, the medical world works right now, we can't say things like that, but you can make huge influences on children's behavior, children's cravings, children's addictions just by addressing that gut bacteria. So again, it, it really comes back to a holistic model because you can say, well, you got to exercise more and you got to eat a little bit less to lose weight, but that's just one part of the puzzle unless we've given a children a reason why and addressing is like, you know, the bugs in their stomach that tell them, I need sugar, I need sugar, I need sugar, then it's really, really hard to get success. Going cold turkey on these kind of things is, it's not really a full solution. And our children deserve a full solution. David, you know, obviously you interviewed a whole bunch of extras for this and uh, there's going to be a lot of different uh, opinions. And did you find there was any um, contradiction between speakers and their ideas? I think contradiction is healthy and I did have a fair bit of that. I mean, listening to people talk about nutrition, there's a lot of different ideas and theories out there. People are pushing paleo and people are saying eat as many good carbohydrates as you possibly can. Carbohydrates being anything that doesn't come from an animal in my mind, which you know I agree with. Some people are out there saying eat as many veggies as, as you can possibly fit on your plate. Some people are saying eat as much meat as you can possibly fit on your plate. And I think that's a really healthy discussion to to have because I don't feel like there's anyone out there who can conclusively say, hey, this is the way that you got to eat. This is what's going to work for you because we're all so different. I mean, if you just in Australia, if you took a, a coastal Aboriginal and compared that to an inland Aboriginal, someone from the coast is going to have, or someone who grew up and their heritage is from the coast, they're going to have way more access to things like fish and animals and good sources of protein and fat. And over time, these coastal Aboriginals would have just evolved to eat more proteins and fats. That's just what works for them. So if you go and put them on a a diet where they're eating heaps and heaps of vegetables, then that's not going to work well for them. Whereas an inland Aboriginal, I mean, you can't put someone like that on a high fat, high protein diet because they've evolved over thousands and thousands and thousands of years to not eat that way. So someone saying, this is the way you should eat, you better go and eat this way it never works. And there are people out there who have theories and a lot of them are going to work for different people. But I feel like it's really something that you can only find by trial and error. And there's so many different things that play into this, like food intolerance is the one. JJ Virgin, who's an amazing mind in that area, spoke quite a lot about that. I mean, people don't pay attention to the fact that a lot of people have intolerances to things like eggs, dairy, corn, wheat, 
I mean, everyone knows about gluten sensitivity, but I find a lot of people these days who have intolerances to eggs. And you can say, well, eggs are these amazing healthy source of fat, but if you've got an intolerance to them, then you can't eat them. So it's a good discussion to have around nutrition to have all these different theories. And, you know, the healthier that you get, the more that you'll be able to find by trial and error, this works for me, this doesn't work for me. So, David, I guess we've gone over so much information on this podcast about what you can start thinking about in terms of childhood obesity. And perhaps some of the parents listening in might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> There's so many different things they can start to look at. So in the last couple of minutes, I'd love us to just talk about you know, a couple of things that you think, you, know, you spoke about trial and error. What are a couple of good trials for parents to start with? What are a couple of tips that they can start doing right now to see if that might make a difference and help out their kids? Well, the first one is definitely help your child identify with their goal. The next thing which can be the absolute biggest change that you can make on anyone's journey towards achieving a health goal of any kind, whether it's get rid of your back pain or you know, fixing your arthritis or losing weight if you're a child is just work on their nutrition. So figure out what kind of things is it that my child actually likes to eat. If they don't want to eat certain foods or they're picky eaters, that's cool. You can go and find something else and they'll pick up as well. This is the other thing that I wanted to mention. They'll pick up on the fact that you're you're trying to help them and you're going out of your way to help them. And that's how you make people believe that you're actually going to help them is by actually helping them. So, you know, there's amazing recipes out there in the paleo guys, or not the paleo guys, but people who talk about paleo, they do amazing dessert recipes. So figure out, is my child addicted to this particular brand of biscuits or are they just looking for something sweet that they can eat after dessert? So if that's the case and they just want something sweet, there's a million things that you can give them that admittedly aren't perfect but are an amazing step uh, step forward. Another thing that I would want to uh, mention to parents is uh, the fact that whenever anyone's trying to achieve a goal, they shouldn't really feel undervalued or like they're not protected or that they're inadequate because where they are right now isn't exactly where they want to be. So I spoke, I don't know if you guys know who Elliot Hulse is, but he's an amazing human. He spoke a lot about not really focusing on the outcome of a weight loss journey so much as what kind of character and person you develop into along the way. So I suppose the the point that he made was that you need to let your child know along the way, hey, look, you know, we're not you're not eating as much junk food as you used to. You're exercising a lot more. And this is exactly how you progress going from not being able to spell in school or not being able to do maths to where you are now. So you're on a journey and whether or not you become perfect at it is not the point. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever perfect at health, but you're taking the steps towards towards achieving what it is that you actually want. And that's the most important thing that you can do is just really sit down and and constantly work towards that goal and have that end point in mind of, I'm transforming myself and, you know, it's difficult. It takes some time along the way, but this is something that I can totally achieve because children are always achieving things. I mean, they're learning everything about the world. They're learning, like I said, how to count, how to spell, how to tie their shoelaces, and they just need to learn how to be healthy as well. And if we can teach them that in a way where they're not feeling devalued or inadequate for not being where they'd like to be, then the world's their oyster basically. David, thank you so much for your time and, uh, you know, it's great insights to be able to hear from, you know, all those speakers. And uh, if you're interested in, uh, you know, attending this summit, uh, go check out this website, Free Child 
obesitysummit.com. That's freechildobesitysummit.com. This link will be on our show notes on the wellness couch uh, below this particular episode. So go check it out there. David, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it being on the podcast. And uh, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, make sure you join us on Facebook. Uh, keep this conversation going. Go to The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys Facebook page. Like us there while you're there. Share this podcast with your friends, families, and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us, leave us a five-star rating because that's what Damien loves. Leave a comment there too on iTunes. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. Let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Couch Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.